Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's really cool that we live in this time where the sharing economy makes everything possible, right? You can drive your dream car without owning it, right? You can live in a villa in Tuscany for a week without owning it and never having to worry about the maintenance. You can do so much more with a lot less capital. And I definitely feel very fortunate to be living in this time. And I would encourage people that are even thinking about that now, like, should I do this or not? Like the answer is yes. Like, why would you not do that? Like, it's, it's just such a privilege. Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, this is Tyler. Thanks so much for listening. Guess what? This is show number 50. That's right. We've been doing this for 50 episodes now, and it feels like we're just getting started. We have so much room for growth and value to add to your business and life. So we're excited to keep it going. For show number 50, I wanted to do something special, have a special meaning. Today's guest is extra special because she was introduced to me by Tom Schwab of Interview Valet. Tom was the fourth guest on the show. He took a chance on me before I even had an audience. His episode is still one of my favorites. The title is Competition is for Losers. It's a great episode. But more importantly, the show has been an opportunity to meet a constant flow of amazing people where the relationships start at the show, but often extend beyond. It's really been a blessing to do the show. And not only are the guests great, but so are the listeners just like you. With that, let's talk about today's episode. Our guest is Melissa Kwan. She is the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. It's an automated webinar solution that turns any video into an interactive webinar. Melissa is a big believer in building the life you want versus the life you're expected to have. That's why she's now a thriving startup founder who's also a digital nomad. With over 12 years of experience in the startup world, Melissa successfully bootstrapped three companies with no venture capital. This experience has taught her to be her own boss and build companies with very few resources through automation and outsourcing. Melissa thinks people are most productive and happiest if they get to choose where they wake up in the morning. That's why she encourages others to embrace the digital age the same way she has. In this episode, we talk about why success 
should be your only option if you're an entrepreneur. How to build a business around your life. The pros and the cons of being a digital nomad. And finally, why you should always do what makes you happy. I love Melissa's take on making your business fit your lifestyle. Let's chat with Melissa and find out more. Hey, Melissa, thanks for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Yeah, thanks for being here. I'm really excited to talk with you. I always like to start with, can you tell us a little bit about you and what you're doing now? Yeah. My name is Melissa Kwan. I'm the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar, which is my third startup. So eWebinar is an automated webinar solution. We save people from doing the exact same repetitive webinar over and over again. So you can think about sales demos, sales pitches, onboarding, training, any one of those things where you have to do a live webinar over and over again. What we do is we take your perfect video and we deliver it like a webinar so you can do it a hundred times, a thousand times without ever needing to actually be in front of a camera to deliver that webinar. Very cool. You know, I kind of curiosity question here because I used to have a history in domains. How did you get that domain e-webinar? That's a pretty <laughs> short, cool domain. Yeah, I totally lucked out on that. I actually am very, very bad with names. So when I was doing some research for this business, I reached out to a friend of mine who is very good with names. And I just shared my business idea with him. I wanted him to help me do some validation. And I also said, if you think of a good name, let me know. And a week later, he texts me Saturday morning, hey, buy this now. I already negotiated with this guy. It's cheap. Trust me. And I looked at it and I wasn't working at the time. And I was like, actually, that's kind of expensive, but I do trust him. And that was eWebinar.com. Bought it right away. And um, that the rest is history. And and really, like the name just grew on us more and more. And like, I'm, I'm so glad we have this, but it was yeah. like total fluke. Because that's an amazingly short exact domain. I mean, nowadays yeah. you've got kind of, I don't know if they're called squatters, if that's the right term, but they've got like yeah. multiple word domains that they're holding to sell for thousands and thousands of dollars. They're not even like short domains. Yeah. It's I crazy, mean, this right? one is also very telling of the nature of our business. Yeah, it's like mail awesome. and emails, <laughs> like a webinar versus a webinar. So definitely lucked out on that one and very thankful for, for my friend being very creative. And there's to the power of knowing people, right? And power of having uh, networking and connect people that you know that can help. So that's awesome. Hey, so I wanted to go... So you're, you're quote unquote, a serial entrepreneur. You're into your third venture now, eWebinar. You had a first one that morphed into Spacio and you had a successful exit in Spacio. Can you talk a little bit about what what is Spacio and what was that all about? And then I'd love to talk about what you learned from that journey of building Spacio. Yeah. So my first two startups were both in real estate tech. So that journey was was almost 10 years. And then before that, I was also in the real estate business and, and working for SAP. So kind of like technology, real estate converging. Yeah. So my first business morphed into my second one. The first one was more of like an agency model. We built real estate apps for like new project marketing. It started as a product, but it became an agency because we were not venture funded. So everybody wanted new features. We said yes to everything. And then we became an agency. And anyone who's run an agency before, maybe you're running one now, knows that it's a really, really tough business. I mean, like the bigger deals you get, the more you have to hire and it just doesn't scale very well. So we wanted to, you know, three, four years into that, we wanted to create something that we would offer everybody. So like the $10 product to 10,000 people instead of, you know, selling... $10,000 products to 10 people. And that became Spacio. So Spacio eventually became the number one open house check-in system. 
So people know what an open house is. It's kind of like walking to an office. You write your name and number, your email. We were the iPad version of that. So we replaced you know, pen and paper sign-in, but we sold mostly to the enterprise. So like the big brokerages, and they would offer it to the real estate agents as a perk, uh, maybe to join in the company. But the software for the agent was, you know, checking in for visitors, but there's a whole backend that goes to like automating follow-up, follow-up emails, going to the CRM, and then all that foot traffic data actually is fed back um, to the company and they can do whatever they wanted with that. Now, I want to get into the little bit of the nuts and bolts of growing your business. Now, you never took any funding from anyone, so you were self-funded. Was that a conscious choice or did you, you know, just never ran into the right partner that wanted to give you money? So... We've never raised venture capital. We did have some private capital. And, and of course, I personally invest. I was the biggest sure. investor in, in my previous company. And, and I think when, when people say we've never taken you know, venture capital, there could be other forms of capital. Like sometimes it's non-dilutive. Sometimes it's friends and family. Sometimes it's you know, private investors, angel investors. But it would, I would say we never took institutional funding. Got that it. was not a conscious choice in the beginning. But... Looking back, we just didn't have an idea and a product that was venture scalable. And also, I didn't really know. I know how to sell product and I love selling product, but I don't know how to raise money. And those are two very different skill sets. But also, I don't want to ignore the fact that like, I didn't go to a, you know, an Ivy League school. You know, I'm Asian, female. You know, I never feel like I was great disadvantage when it comes to business, but I can't ignore the fact that there is data, you know, kind of backing that up. So I did talk to a lot of VCs back then because, you know, running a software business is extremely hard and, you know, the burn is really high, but nobody would fund us. So we didn't really have a choice outside of focusing on revenue and figuring out what is the product that we can build that someone will actually pay for. And in the end, that you know, became, I guess, a more sustainable business, right? So I think right now there's a lot of companies that can't raise their Series C or Series D rounds, right? And they're having to fire, you know, 25% of their staff. Like if you go on Twitter or LinkedIn, like you're seeing this on a weekly basis. So I didn't really realize what venture capital meant when I first started my business. But as I learned more about it, I was very relieved that that was not the train that I hopped on because that would not have served me. And that's just not the business that I want to build because I want to build a business where I call all the shots, where I don't have a board, right? Where I can go remote and go nomadic. And I'm glad I never did that. But in the beginning, it was definitely not a conscious choice. Yeah, that's powerful. And I would argue... I wonder if you agree with this. You kind of built some muscles in terms of building a business by doing it without taking someone else's money in, in the traditional institutional sense because you had to figure out a way to survive. One of them, I believe, is you had some actually extreme measures when it came to managing costs. Would you be open to kind of sharing like what you had to do to really keep your costs minimal and, and be able to you know survive for another day? Yeah. I mean, I, I think when you're young and you don't have any dependents and no kids, it's a lot easier. So back then I was living in Vancouver, but that community in Vancouver didn't really serve what I wanted to do because we're in real estate tech and, and Vancouver is a bit more of a sleepy town. And so I moved to New York when I would say I was in my worst financial position when I was at the worst point of my career because we could not find a product that had any market fit. Like we had an idea of a product, but nobody would pay for it yet. 
And how I funded my second company was I took all the revenue from my first agency. I took a loan against that. I took an equal loan against that. And I took all the revenue and the loan and I started a new company. And I thought, okay, this this money will last me, you know, a couple of years or whatnot. It never does. (laughs) It (laughs) lasts you like 50% of the time that you, you think it does. And I moved to New York, but I had burned so much of that by just trying to come up with a product that people will pay for. Like every month is more, more salaries. I wasn't even paying myself. I would see what else is left at the end of the month. And then I would pay myself and pay, you know, transfer that to rent. So I was also in, I mean, moving to New York, that was one of the most expensive cities in the world. So I needed to make sure that at the end of every month, I had $3,000 for rent. And I was sharing a house with, you know, five other people. So I would, at the time, to minimize costs, I would go to startup events for food. I would have one meal a day and I would time it such that I didn't get hungry at night. Or if I did, I would have like yogurt and crackers. And that went on for a long time. Like that went on for what felt like an eternity, but it was like a year and a half. But, you know, I did a lot of things, right? I would look for government grants. I would look for any, you know, tax rebates. And then, you know, I would also take little side projects, So can we build a website for someone and make a few thousand dollars and pay for this person? You know, it was always like, what can we do to patch this hole? And that went on for a long time until we finally found the thing with Spacio that people were like, okay, this is something I could pay for. And then from the day the first person put in their credit card to the company being acquired was less than two years, but it actually took closer to three years, I think, to find like that thing that people were like, yeah, like this is something that I would pay for. Wow. What I love about your story there is just the perseverance. I mean, every business owner, I think, can relate to this, this perseverance, this willing to sacrifice and just push yourself until you get to a certain level of success or where you want to be in your business. I think that's just really so impressive. Just respect you a lot for just pushing through. I think... I didn't have a choice, right? <laughs> right. You know, I, I think entrepreneurship is something that you just are and it's something that almost chooses you. You don't wake up one day and decide like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Like there was already something there that, that mo- motivates you and drives you. But at the time, like I had pulled out a loan. My co-founder was with me for so many years that had promised, you know, I had promised him something like some sort of event or some sort of exit event or some sort of lifestyle. I had people that I had convinced to, you know, to join our team on much lower salaries than they they would get if they joined an Amazon. You know, like I had my parents who for two years didn't even talk to me anymore because they thought I was just messing around. Like they just, <laughs> they're not entrepreneurs, so they didn't really understand what, what I was doing. So you have all these forces also telling you that you're going to fail. But if you make that decision to stop, then everything that you've tried, everything that you've done for the years before that dissipates. So it's either you push through, like you've got to be a little bit more delusional about that, or you have to be okay with that decision that you're going to stop. And what kept me going was I was never okay with that decision. Like I was always wondering, okay, what's going to be behind that door if we kept going? So it's not like sometimes I think perseverance and, you know, that sort of grit is like 
Yes, I think it's important. But for me at that time, I didn't feel like I have had another choice. Interesting. So to take that one step further, when do you know when to give up or what, at what point do you go, you know, that's enough or it's just, a, this isn't going to work. Would have been that line for you. I mean, everything was unreasonable, right? A lot of, <laughs> a lot of this stuff that we're doing is unreasonable. Like nothing, especially in the beginning of a business right. or maybe even when you find a bit of product market fit, like you're not profitable and everything is against you. Everything's telling you, you should not move forward. Because you play this out in your head and you're like, okay, if I quit, then I'll get a job at this other place. And then this other place is going to pay me this market rate now that I have 10 years experience. And then I'm going to have a better life. So like quitting is easy, right? A lot of people will will be like, okay, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm going to go that way. And, and I do think that like me not having any responsibilities and other dependents at the time, like helps with these decisions. But for me, the only thing that was important was I would ask myself, how would I feel tomorrow if I gave up? And if the answer is I would regret it, then I would keep going. So I think the answer for me would have been until I felt like I didn't want to do it anymore. And it wasn't any sort of market indication or any reason. It was just that. But I do think sometimes saying no is really important. Like stopping what you're doing is not so much giving up, right? Sometimes you just don't have the right product, right? But the thing is for us, we had customers. We just didn't have enough customers for me to be like, okay, this is it. We had just enough for me to be like, okay, maybe we're onto something. But I would say for people that might be in that place where they're trying to come up with something and no one's buying it and you're still trying and no one's buying it, like sometimes it does help to take a step back and be like, okay, is this valuable? Like, am I actually creating something in the world that someone's going to buy? And if the answer is no, like sometimes it's better to, to stop what you're doing and say no to that so you can give yourself the opportunity to do something else. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. Like, am I actually creating something in the world that someone's going to buy? And if the answer is no, like sometimes it's better to, to stop what you're doing and say no to that. So you can give yourself the opportunity to do something else. Yeah. So want to switch gears here a little bit. What is in this journey that you've had, especially Spacio, if you had to look back, is there something that you have learned from it and you'd say, wow, I'm not going to do this at eWebinar. Or, uh, you really kind of, there was a takeaway in terms of what you learned from it. Is there anything that comes to mind that you can share? Yeah, so many things. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there always is. <laughs> number one is, I mean, a, a lot of these things are personal too, right? Okay. Like people start businesses for so long that your business becomes the only constant in your life. Like maybe your friendships change, your relationships change, you change, right? Like your taste, your taste buds change, but then your business is the same. So like, I think as I evolved as a person, I realized there were a lot of things that I would have done differently. So for example, I knew I would never start a business that required me to attend conferences. 
Like I want a business that is a hundred percent sold through the internet because I was in real estate. A lot of the software was sold through conferences in the first quarter. So in first quarter, I'm on a plane every single week. And, and I wasn't even on that as much as my peers, but I hated the fact that it was so dependent on me, like me as a person, because we didn't have a big sales team. Like I, I was everything except for code. I wanted a business that was not like an enterprise software. So what we're building now is more like a MailChimp. Everything self-serve. You, you know, start with a plan, you upgrade, downgrade, everything, everything is automatic on its own. Whereas, you know, Spacio was an enterprise software. So every deal mattered so much, right? We had like, say we had a hundred customers. If one person left, that impacted your business. Like that impacts payroll. So I didn't like that. I wanted a business where thousands and thousands of people have a tiny, tiny slice of the pie versus, you know, one customer having, you know, 10%, even, you know, potentially 10%. Like I wanted a business that was more predictable in, in, in that way. And then the other thing that I learned is I actually, I love building businesses. I love creating something, but I absolutely hate managing people. So I came into eWebinar saying, I'm not going to have any employees. Like everybody is outsourced, including my co-founder, like including myself. I, I mean, I don't pay myself, but we're not employees of the company. People are full-time, but they're contractors. And as a result, we have team members anywhere in the world, everywhere in the world where we can find talent. And the people that are with us are with us because they truly want to. And if they wanted to do a side project, they can do that because I believe people should have the freedom to do that as long as you're dedicated to our customers and any webinar. Very cool. I'm going to pick your brain on something. Do you think, given the fact that they're contractors though, isn't there still a level of management that has to be done? I realize that they're more independent than an employee, but do you still feel like that's something you maybe need to tackle in terms of working with? Or, or do you just, how do you handle that maybe is the best question I, I could come up with. Yeah. So our development team goes through uh, development shops. So we own developers, uh, you know, hundred percent of their time, but there is always a PM on the other side. And then they report to my co-founder, who's a CTO. He's great at managing people. He's (laughs) amazing at that. Our COO is a super good friend of mine. I would consider him the third co-founder. Like he was with me since day one. He's completely self-motivated. We exchange ideas and I approve certain things, but he doesn't need me looking over his shoulder. We've got our head of ecosystem that manages partnerships. I talk to him probably every day, but he's also like really self-motivated. So I've surrounded myself with people who are either good managers or they take on really massive roles, but they are experienced in what they do and they don't require me to actually manage them. They, they just manage the ta- their tasks on their own. So we actually have a very lateral organization. I love it. So really what you've done is you've kind of created freedom in your own business by creating... I don't know if I'd call it systems and processes, but you put the people around you. Sounds like there might, might also be some systems and processes. So you can do what you, one, probably enjoy doing, but probably you're also best at. Is that kind of the way it's structured? Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I would say we, we certainly have a lack of system. We have, <laughs> you know, we have a sort of kind of a process in place, but we're a small business, right? We're, we're a small team. So we're, we're still able to do that. But, you know, one of my goals coming into this business was to build a company with friends. So the closest people, you know, all the executives on our team are are actually friends of mine that 
I've known in, in my previous lives. And actually, we do have some you know, private investors, but they're also super good friends of mine. And the whole premise and the whole idea behind the webinar is to share our successes with friends. So if and when this becomes a success and we pay out dividends or we have company retreats, I'm doing this with, with all of my friends. And that's kind of how we've set it up. So all the conversations we have are fairly informal, but we're very open and honest because we know each other. And if you're not the same vibe, then I think it's very hard to, to survive in, in this particular environment because no one's here to tell you what to do. Like, you know what you're supposed to do and, and you just go and do it yourself. And everyone has a lot of respect for each other because we are in our own domains and we don't really like cross into each other's lanes. Wow. I love it. It sounds like a really cool setup. So I want to talk a little bit more about the nomad lifestyle. In fact, is your whole is are all your friends nomad part of the business? Are they living a nomad lifestyle or is that unique to you? That's unique to myself okay. uh, and David, my CTO, who is also my life partner. I don't talk a lot about that. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. But uh, we actually left New York about four years ago to travel full time because we were paying astronomical amount of rent in New York, but also traveling. So we're like, we were doing the math one day and we're like, why are we paying all this rent in New York and traveling when we could just be traveling? So we started that, but then a few, like a couple of years later, we did, you know, find our home in Amsterdam. So we do have a base there. But mostly, you know, we just go wherever we feel like it. We're in Cape Town right now. But yeah, like I just believe, I've always believed that people are most productive and happiest if they get to choose where they wake up in the morning. Even in my previous company, I was always working remote. I moved to New York. My team was in Vancouver. Even though I wasn't nomadic, I was, I was already... Like I was still remote. And right now, like anyone can go anywhere if they want to. Like it doesn't affect me, it doesn't affect the company because we're a remote team anyway. And I do think that the world is also shifting that way. And companies that, that understand that will, I think, be able to recruit and retain better talent, but also create like a better company culture and, and happier team members. Yeah. I love the way you designed your this business around the life that you want to live. That's pretty cool. Do you are there any what are the the cons of a nomad lifestyle that you've discovered in this journey? Does anything stick out? Yeah, I mean, you never have your own setup, right? right. Like I mean, everyone has their own setup in their home. You know, we've got our speakers, we've got a big TV <laughs> in front of our bed, we have a certain mattress, right? Even though certain places feel at home, you're never at your own home which is actually why we ended up investing in a home in Amsterdam because we just felt like we needed to be to be grounded and we just needed a place to put our stuff. Like we had like we, a few apartments around the world where we, get, we would like store different changes of like seasons of clothes and things like that. And after a few years, it just gets a, a bit tiring. The other thing is it's like you you actually never end up saving that much money because you you justify these things in your head, right? You're like, okay, well, if I'm in Argentina, but then, you know, I want to get this really nice Airbnb, but I really shouldn't because I'm doing this to save money, but then I'm only here for a month, so I should just splurge. <laughs> like, <laughs> you always got to like justify that in your head. But while there's like, you know, there are certain cons to it, like I just think the, like, if this is for you, like the experience and the friendships and, and, just the joy that it brings you far outweighs, you know, the the simple inconveniences. That is so cool. And to your point about it becoming the way of things, I had a guest on my podcast a couple of weeks back, 
running his third business, a multi-million dollar business, I think seven, seven or eight figure business. And uh, him and his wife decided they wanted to RV around all over the place, just mm-hmm. wherever they wanted to go. And so both their kids, they're homeschooling them. And they're just literally, he's running his business from his RV and just doing whatever he wants to. I imagine they stay at uh, Airbnbs occasionally, but just living life on their terms. And I think, I totally agree with you. I think like there's, you know, I come from a little bit older era where that wasn't as normal. Mm. You kind of stayed really grounded in one area and maybe even in some cases to one employer if, you, if you're not self-employed or have your own business. And it's interesting to see this change where it's just totally normal to be moving from location to location and being able to work in a remote way as a business owner. I think it's really cool. So I, th- I really applaud you for kind of doing that and restructuring this next venture so it can match your life. That's so cool. I mean, it's really cool that we live in this time where the sharing economy makes everything possible, right? You can drive your dream car without owning it, right? You can live in a villa in Tuscany for a week without owning it and never having to worry about the maintenance. You can do so much more with a lot less capital. And I definitely feel very fortunate to be living in this time. And I would encourage people that are even thinking about that now, like, should I do this or not? Like the answer is yes. Like, why would you not do that? Like, it's it's just such a privilege. Yeah. Well, I love your story. I love your journey. One question I always love to ask guests as we wrap up is if you happen to have a life tip or a business tip that you can share with us that we could apply. You kind of just gave us one. So I guess I'm asking for a second one. If you have one off the top of your head, do you have something to share? Yeah. I mean, I have two. Cool. I mean, number one is do what makes you happy. And, you know, within reason, right? (laughs) But I think if you, if your starting point is, this is what makes me happy versus like, this is what I'm an expertise on, then you can always learn. Like you can always learn the skill on the thing that makes you happy, right? I think a lot of people choose a career based on their, you know, their education. And then they spend the rest of their lives working for a company or doing something that they just don't love. Right. And when I say like do something that makes you happy, it doesn't have to be like, you know, I like to be a mechanic. It could be like, I want to do something that allows me to live anywhere in the world. Right. Or like, I want to do something that doesn't require me to, you know, be at a conference. It just could be something generic like that, but have your non negotiables and then figure out like what is a career that fits on top of that, which I think a lot of people don't spend a lot of time thinking about. Like, knowledge and expertise can be learned, whereas the foundation of your happiness doesn't change. So I think that's number one. But number two is once you find that, like automate everything that you can, right? And then and that's why we built this business e-webinar. Like oh, I was the person that was delivering these live webinars over and over, 4 a.m. in the morning in Kyoto, doing the same webinar I did yesterday because I had new customers coming in. Like if you're not automating what can be automated, you're not scaling your business and you're not giving yourself a break. So I think a lot of business owners think, oh, if I don't do this, if I don't personally do this, my customers won't like it. Or, you know, I'm not going to build a successful business if I'm not personally doing that. What you're doing by not automating something that is, you know, repetitive or can be automated is you're limiting your business to your own availability. So I would encourage people to think more about, you know, what they repetitively do, what can be replaced with technology so that they can repurpose their time towards doing something else that does require their unique attention or maybe just getting their time back to spend with friends and family or you know just taking a rest 
but just know that you don't have to do everything yourself for your business to thrive. Yeah, that's great. There's so many good tools. E-webinar, I'm sure, is one of them. Tools to just make life so much easier in your business, so much more automated. So love all those tips. You actually gave us three. So thanks for the two bonus tips. Hey, so I'll put it in the webinar... Uh, or excuse me, in the show notes, ewebinar.com slash Tyler. If you guys want to go there. Once again, it's ewebinar.com slash Tyler. And also include this in the show notes. Is there anywhere else where you'd like people to go if they want to reach out to you or, or chat with you? Yeah, if you want to connect with me, just find me on LinkedIn. Okay. Melissa Kwan. Last name is spelled K-W-A-N. Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. You are an awesome guest. I love hearing your story and journey and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together, we explore vibrations, frequencies, and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress, and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hi, I'm Lessa Gaudet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.